Hi, and welcome to this Property Life podcast. I'm Caroline Claydon, and I'm a property investor and trainer with over 25 years experience. And each week, my friends and I will be speaking to very special guests about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking with my very good friend, James D'Souza, in reviewing the last two months of 2023. It's been very, very busy, lots of news to reflect on. And we talk about the challenges that we've faced in our businesses, as well as the positivity and opportunities that we are seeking out. I hope you enjoy the content of this week's podcast. Hi, everyone. It's James here. And Caroline as well. Yeah, there we go. Um, as you're probably noticing, uh, somebody's missing. Uh, that person is obviously Mark. Mark, who has been running uh, this Property Life podcast uh, basically since it started, has taken a step back and will no longer be hosting, presenting uh, the podcast. We want to thank Mark for all the work that he's done in uh, setting the podcast up and all the effort that he's put in. Uh, moving forwards, it will be myself and Caroline that are going to be your hosts. So you're going to be losing Mark's dulcet tones and you're going to be getting more of myself and Caroline. So apologies in advance for that. Yeah, sorry, um, <laughs> Format's all going to be the same. We're going to be having lots of guests on, panel shows and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's just going to be with us moving forwards now. So awesome. Looking forward yeah. to it, James. What could possibly go wrong? What could go right, more to the point. Uh, <laughs> so today we're going to be chatting a little bit of a catch up um, about what we've been up to this year. Um, we're kind of coming towards the end of February now, um, and it's been a busy couple of months, um, both uh, on property, on the property wealth system side of things, this property life. So lots going on. So we're going to have a little catch up about what we've been doing, share with you um, what our kind of successes are, you know, challenges that we're facing in, in our business as well. Um, yeah. So, Caroline, what have you been up to sort of since the start of the year? So it's so weird just saying to James, well, let's do a roundup of the year so far. And it's only been two months, but so much happens. And I hope you guys that are listening are experiencing exactly the same, that so much happens in such a short period of time when you're actively out there um, doing your viewings, putting your offers in, having refurbs. You feel that every, every day there's something new uh, to do or uh, take action on. So it has been uh, a busy couple of months. We have our project that's in the city centre of Edinburgh that has not gone according to plan. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of owning that. Were, and were saying, you expecting it to go to plan? Well, yeah, expecting <laughs> As property investors, we know that things do rarely go to plan. And that's why we need to have so many exit strategies, so many backups, you know, so much, so many other thoughts in our head about, okay, this is maybe exactly what we want to do, but we know we probably won't get that, but we could do X, Y, or Z with that as well. And I know, I know. I think the, the element that was the real screw up, screw up on this one is, is planning and, and, mm -hmm. and you just cannot control the public sector they, their cure factor is zero. They, they don't get paid any extra for doing a good job. They don't get sacked for doing a bad job. So you're just in the hands of these guys who just don't care. And I think in the, well, I haven't, I haven't worked in a job since the end of 2007. Uh, I am now absolutely the most unemployable person, but I, could, I cannot actually get my head around someone who cares so little about their job that they, it, it, there's just no... <laughs> 
It's almost a tick box exercise oh. for these, some of these people. So and... frustrating. So just to recap, we bought a townhouse that's four stories in the city centre of Edinburgh. Um, we bought it in November 21. I can't believe that. Um, and we're going to change it into boutique, boutique hotel, 15 rooms. Um, and the change of use from office block to class seven in Scotland um, should take two months. It is a listed building, but should. it's a B listed. Yeah, should take two months. Um, so there is the listed element, listed building element as well in there. But uh, literally planning cock up after cock up after cock up. I, I mean, I, I, I can talk about it, but I'm going to need some therapy first. Um, that, that's, that's not just an episode. That's like a whole catalogue of episodes. <laughs> I will need to do a series on <laughs> what happens with this. Just to summarize uh first application was rejected because the woman ran out of time to make the decision and she just couldn't be arsed so she rejected it then we reapplied uh, reapplied um you know removing a second dormer and you know saying okay we won't move so many walls uh listed building guys were cool with it but there was so many objections um that and then there was so many supporting because we rallied some support, that it had to go to committee. Now, I, my understanding of planning committee is that you get to go along, present your case, and have a chat about it, and like a little Not, debate. You don't get much time. Uh, like nine minutes or whatever. Yeah. But no, 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 no. Literally, it was online. Uh, we could we could literally um, just log on and watch other people discuss our project, and these other people don't have a Scooby-Doo what's actually going on. Um, and anyway. they're not, are they are they within the planning sector or are they kind of just neighbours, res, like local residents, local businesses? No, this is councillors. So it's this is happened. elected councillors who might not even be councillors in um, planning or buildings. They could just be a councillor for like the community centre or something, mm. right? So they're, the, and the community, uh, um, the, the committee it changes every time that they meet as well. So there's no real consistency, no consistency. there. So you don't know who the chair is going to be. Um, you don't know which political party they're going to be from. You can't you kind of gain their sentiment if it changes all the time either. No, no, exactly. There's, and so basically the planning officer who has already rejected us once puts a report together and then presents it and has recommended it for passing. So that's good. So we're like, before the, it meets, we're like, yay, 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 where it's going to pass. Then it gets to committee and all the wheels can go in any direction, but they passed it. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That was in the summer. So yes, there was a delay. Yes, it took months longer than it should have, but it got passed in June. However, 24 hours later, they turned around, this is the planning, turned around and said, oh, hang on a minute. We forgot to get you to... Um, pay 65 grand contributions to the trams and we is were that like kind what? of like a section 108 type thing is that a, it's all, like a developer contribution which isn't actually mm. legally binding number one so my planning guy was saying well they can't enforce this and then planning said we can't issue you with the consent now because the committee made a decision based on information that they didn't have because we failed to give it to them so it has to go back to committee now they can't reject it but they need to know this information. 
So we were in no man's land and it was the summer. So no one was meeting because everyone was on holiday. So the next likely committee meeting was August. We weren't even in the first meeting after August. Did I say I was summarizing this? I'm really not summarizing this. <laughs> <laughs> so it went back to committee again at the end of August. And it should have just been, look, we want them to pay us tens of thousands of pounds towards the trams, even though the trams are already built. Um, we got it down from 65 to 35. And then it went to committee. And by this point, the vigilante residents in the area had gone to another councillor who happened to be on the committee this time and was like, well, if you missed this out of the report, what else have you missed? I think we should throw this out entirely and start again. And the committee were like, are we allowed to do that? And the legal representative said, no, you can't. But they were like, I think we should take a vote on this. So they went completely rogue. They did not follow legal protocol, but they took a vote and we won five votes to four. Oh, so it was close. It was uncomfortably close. Um, even though it was passed in August, by the time all the legals and everything was, was sorted out, we were at like October. And then, you know, we still didn't have our building warrant. And by that point, I that's was... That's kind of a year off. That's a year, that's a year gone. A year gone. My bridging's coming up for renewal. That's another 27 grand fee. Um, yeah, by that time, I was injecting vodka into my veins and uh, just thinking this is going to happen when it's going to happen. And here we are. We're now in the end of February. Uh, we've got the planning. We've got the building warrant. And... Um, Two weeks before the builder was due to start, which was about four weeks ago, our lender pulled their lending. <laughs> so I was like, okay. That's not, Next that's term. just for the, for the listeners, that's not the bridging lender. That's kind of a new lender that's going to be giving you development finance to actually fund the refurb. Yeah. So buy it with a bridge. Um, we've had to go on to a different bridge now, short-term bridge. And then we get development finance, which clears that bridge and gives us all the money to do the development. And it was the development finance that was agreed in November. They changed their appetite in the new year and uh, pulled it. So anything, fairness, anything to do with the interest rate rise potentially? Not into you know. Um, to be honest, I think this was a massive broker mess up, and I don't like to point fin fingers and blame. But we knew before Christmas that something was up, and we kept telling the broker, "Look, if they've." If they've decided on the 14th of November they're lending to us and we still don't have the offer letter come December, something's going on. He's like, no, 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 no. It's all okay. It's all okay. But we knew. But you know when your broker is telling you something? Now, just to clarify, guys, this was a brand new broker we'd never used before. So... Again, lesson learned. We won't be using him again. I think he was naive. He does admit he was naive in it. And the broker we're now using is... Edinburgh based, very, very knowledgeable on Scottish lending. And I think that's an element that we were naive about as well. We just thought lenders were lenders, right? But actually, actually was it a, was it an English broker that you were using? It, it, it was a Welsh one. Ooh. Even worse. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My sister-in-law's Welsh. I love the Welsh. So um yeah, he, you know, they're a a really reputable company, really good reputation, but I think his relationship with the BDM was a personal one. And because the BDM and him were mates, 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 and yeah, 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 everything's okay. Well, he didn't, thought it didn't was. Want to tell, didn't want to tell his mate the bad news almost, and it kind of just yeah. got swept under the carpet. And let's face it, BDMs want to do the deal because they get paid their bonus, but it's the underwriters that make the decision. 
Um, so yeah, that was unfortunate. That was a bit of a curveball, but we are where we are. I believe that the new lender that we're going to work with is trundling along nicely. Got positive vibes with it. I've found a new fantastic broker through this, so that's great. I've learned so much; it's insane. Um, there's been some serious fee pain in there. We've yeah, we've spent nearly just short of two hundred grand just holding this building. Um, so it's not for the faint hearted, but we're looking at another one. And it's so. not it's not for your first deal either. If, yeah, it's not for your if, first deal. If you tried to dive in and do something like this for your very first property investment deal, you would be, you know, your fingers would be more than burnt. Yeah, I, it, it would really damage you. You know, the Edinburgh market is a very different beast to what we've been used to. The English market, you know, you, you've got your private building control officers that you know, are effectively working for you. Whereas up here, again, we're working with the public sector and again, they can go as slowly as they want to go. I mean, that building warrant alone took about six months. Um, and we were advised not to apply for the building warrant until we had the planning. In hindsight, I wouldn't listen to that advice. I'd get the building warrant in on the assumption you're going to get planning of some description. Because, um, because if you're going to get planning, it, there might be some minor tweaks and things, but on the whole, it's going to be for pretty much the plans you submitted otherwise they wouldn't allow them yeah so look there's a there's a lot of lessons I, and I guess I used a, a, a the biggest lesson and one that I take on my shoulders entirely is I decided to use a architect technician because I didn't want any design I purely wanted them to just do drawings for what I told them that I wanted right 15 rooms there they are move that wall boom 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 done I don't need to spend 30, 40 grand on an architect to do that. But the architect technician that was recommended to me by the planning guy, he was not up to the job. He was way slower than he should have been. And what I didn't know is he actually works as an architect and then has his architectural business as a side hustle. And if I'd known that, I wouldn't have gone with him. Um, and again, we always talk about recommendations. Recommendations are the way forward. And I, I love my planning guy. I'm going to use my planning guy again. But um, the architect technician is not somebody that is fast enough um, for for my business. So, mm. yeah, that that's that's on me. That was de that's definitely on me. So we've got another one that we're looking at. It's going to be even harder. It's A listed rather than B listed. But I now I feel equipped. I'm not scared of it. I'm going to get maybe 13 rooms out of it. We haven't even viewed it, but I'm already like, we're getting that. Mentally, you bought this one. <laughs> Mentally, it's happening. It's my second one in Edinburgh. So that's 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 good to go. So that, that's been the pain journey. And I think what was really evident is we got bogged down in the shit. We should have been actively just buying other stuff just buying more and more and more and more while it all that take, drama it, going it, on. It can just take all of your focus, attention, you know, m mentally you're com completely focused on that one pro yeah. on that one project. So it can be really yeah. tough to, to kind of think, all right, whilst that's going on, I also need to be spreading, you know, yeah. spreading out and doing other bits and bobs as well, because you're just so consumed by that one thing that is taking up all, the, all of your time, all of your yeah. efforts men yeah. mentally and physically. And the, and the expectation was it's going to happen any minute. It's going to happen any minute. And it just kept getting pushed further away. Now, we did view and we did put offers in and we were active, but we never got any over the line. And so at the end of 2022, I was sitting there going, that's been a shit year, a really, really shit year. But let's face it, 
2023 is coming along and you know it's it's this is going to be a really really good year so yeah <laughs> lessons learned all the time and even when you've been in this game decades there's always stuff that comes your way that you hadn't expected or accounted for but we'll talk about the positive stuff that have happened later. I thought that was the positive stuff there Caroline <laughs> nah, <laughs> that's all the rubbish oh bloody planning anyway but let's talk about what you've been up to because you've had lots of little uh fingers in pie yeah so we've we've kind on. of you know for for the for the past you know 12 10 12 years however long we've been investing for it's, it's been mainly residential it's been kind of buy to let hmos you know commercial to resi conversions that kind of thing so you know we wanting to diversify do new things kind of the two main focuses that we're looking at and doing that is service accommodation and uh, commercial as well so yeah. it's kind of getting you know had very limited knowledge about those two areas because it's not something that we we'd known of before so um kind of the first you know january was a lot of like learning getting advice from specialists actually kind of learning the the concepts of service accommodation and commercial and then it's going about going to start doing viewings on those kind of projects now so we've been up to um the peak district to, to view um properties that would be suitable for service accommodation starting again our model is let's start small let's test something see yeah. if it works before diving straight into a hotel for example so l- looking at houses flats things that would would work and you know creating the usps looking at the right areas finding out why people are going there running all the numbers and all that side of things so viewed uh, quite a few properties up there made some offers we're close to you know we're in negotiations to get the first one over the line um and there are bigger things that we've when we've been speaking to the agents they've said, oh why, why don't you look at this why don't you look at that you know uh, uh, something that could be a 14 beds uh, apart hotel type of thing and we're like yes we do want that but that's probably just come a little bit too early we want to make sure that we've kind of tested tested the market on a smaller scale basically yeah. And then the commercial side of things as well. So, you know, looking in existing investment areas for that. So we've got a few bits that we're looking at in where we've got done our buy-to-lets. And also kind of, I live in London, so more expensive market. And there's a commercial property that has been kind of sat around for a while now. The the um, the asking price has been reduced, reduced, reduced. And we're kind of like, ah, we're kind of getting into a price where this might actually work for us. Nice. So we didn't go shopping for it because we've always just, you know, London is a different, like like Edinburgh, London's kind of a, di- a different beast, very expensive yeah. and, and things don't normally work. Your returns are typically really, really low in London. So we've kind of always just thought we can put our money to better use elsewhere. Um, but I said commercial uh, opportunity, it's a pub. And, you know, literally recording this podcast off the back of the viewing, speaking to the agent and the agent's like, I just want to get this, rid of this the agent's feeling the pain so if the agent's feeling the pain the vendor yeah. must be definitely feeling pain yeah. um so it's a pub the the vendor has already sold off the garden so there is no outdoor space with this they've sold off the garden a couple of years ago that got planning permission that's been built now so there are flats in where the pub garden was um somebody submitted an offer subject to planning which was accepted and their planning got rejected. So the planning for, I was just saying to Caroline before we started recording this, for three masonettes that got uh, rejected. And we're kind of like, what can we do? So shop and top, it's a pub. They kind of want to keep a pub, but there's a pub on the same street already. So we're kind of like, it doesn't need to be a pub. It, pub's been shut for nigh on four years now. So it's going to prove that the the local area doesn't need another pub um, because 
they've survived four years without one. So, you know, Caroline's advice was go and seek out a local planning consultant and understand because the, 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 the lady that has rejected the original um, plans for the Masonettes hasn't got a good reputation. Let's put it that way. Um, she's not particularly well liked. So and, and sort of says no to lots of things. So, you know, going to speak to a local planning consultant to find what you can or can't do. It's kind of just slightly the wrong side of the high street for it to be really good but there are other you know a Sainsbury's is just a Sainsbury's local has just opened up in the nearby so there's kind of supermarkets there's offices in and around there so there would be call for something but one of the big challenges this being in London there is no parking so you know getting a deliveries and b customers to be stopping off is going to be a bit of a challenge so again with anything there's going to be some challenges the agents will not entertain any more subject to offers either so it'll just have to be because it's been rejected, they've been the vendors obviously been yeah. bitten once. They're kind of saying unconditional offers only. So you know, as we know in property, you can negotiate on two things: you can negotiate on terms, you can negotiate on price. They've obviously laid their hand out with the terms. It needs to be unconditional, so that's obviously going to reflect the price that they're going to be able to achieve for that. So it's going to be you know a very cheeky offer. Nice. Um, be unconditional, which we like, which we like, and you can still do resi, resi upstairs as well. So you know, this Ooh. is an area where a, a two bedroom flat would probably be selling done to a good standard in the region of 300 350,000 pounds so it's it's still kind of like a, a high high value area for what you can create on the resi side the upside is that you might just get a shop downstairs almost for free nice oh, mm. i like that i like yeah. that a and a big basement that you can't really do anything with because there's no natural light but you were suggesting things like yoga studios and oh. Maybe yeah. a bit too small for a gym, but a yoga studio could work. Yeah, things that don't need windows, casinos. Mm. <laughs> casinos and I don't want to think what's going through your mind are things that don't need windows, Caroline. Let's keep I know. Well, that's, you know, multiple streams of income, you know, record, <laughs> recording studios, photography. Mm. Photography studio, right? Yeah, because oh, yeah. Rick, Rick, Rick and Sarah have just bought their, or they're going through the process of buying their CMO property, and Rick's dead keen to get a recording studio in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so maybe that would work. There's loads of great little uh, opportunities on the commercial side. I'm really excited about commercial. That's where I've really mm. been focusing on, and I, I'm I'm finding that I'm I'm viewing things that really get my creative juices flowing. Yeah. Where I'm thinking, what could you know, what could this be? And and like you just said, if it's a problem for someone, then it's definitely mm. going An to opportunity. Yeah, one man's meat is another man's poison. And um, yeah, I think that's what's really exciting about commercial. We had a really, really good commercial deal. Um, I literally um, found it online at Christmas. So, you know, while everyone else is getting drunk and eating too much, I mean, I was definitely doing that, but I was also online looking for deals <laughs> while, while drunk which I find always helps with your creative uh, ideas. And I found this office block. Um, now, I, it was on with the agent I've got a really good relationship with. So I like WhatsApped him going, Oi, dude, why have you not shown me this? And he was like, oh, shit, yeah, I should have. Was it, was it something different so that you were normal, something yeah. different that you'd normally been searching for? Or is it exactly what you've told him you want? Exactly. So we're like, we're very clear. It's office blocks, townhouses and warehouses. So that's that's where we're at and so this was an office block um on an uh, sort of on a little industrial well, not industrial but little um what do you call it i guess it's an industrial unit where where there's like four or five of these big like an office park type thing yeah office park and then there was like a, a hotel on it as well mm. so i was like 
this price seems really good. Let's let's go and view it. So literally first week of January, in we go. Look at it. It's really good, Nick. Meet the vendor. He's very, very chatty, a bit of a Dell boy type. He's got a haulage company. And we're going to get it for vacant possession price because obviously he's an owner occupier and he's relocating his business elsewhere. He wants to sell this business, this property in order to buy out one of the directors who's looking to retire for health reasons. So <clears throat> everything so was looking with no income, which obviously yes. reflects in the, in the, in the cheap price. That's why, you know, when, when we think resi um, vacant possession is what we want, that's really good. But for a commercial, it's slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, on res on commercial side, people are always looking to buy with an already generating income. But you know, we're quite refreshing to the agents because we're like, nah, 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 nah. We want we want everyone out so that we can do what we want with it. So buy a vacant possession price. It was on it offers over three seven five. He said the agent already said, look, you'll get it for three fifty. So we're like, cool, sweet. Um, then I spoke to another agent who's very very hot in this particular area, and. Um, I said, look, we want to do this multi-office thing. We want to split it all up and have it as multi-offices because we can increase the pounds per square foot that we get for it. And he chewed the fat with me on it for a little while. And he said, look, I'm not going to be particularly comfortable with you doing that because you've only got 14 car parking spaces. Where it's at, I don't think there's going to be huge demand for it and blah, 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 blah. So he kind of like, pissed on my parade a little so I was like oh okay that's not so good that was the original plan that we were gonna you know have with this but it's in such good nick it's at such a good price how else can I make this work so when we were on the viewing interestingly interestingly getting information from agents is so important Mm. because knowing the questions to ask is critical exactly knowing the questions to ask you know I'd said what has happened to this already? Have there been any other offers? Who else is interested in it? And he'd said, oh, we've had an offer from a company that's going to be an owner-occupier, but they just don't have the money. They just don't have the money to, have, to, to buy it. So I started thinking, okay, they want it. They can't afford it. I could buy it. So then I went back to the, the agent who knows the area inside out, and I said, if I got a tenant <laughs> that would take this building, what would the building then be worth? What yield would you give me? And la, 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 la. And he basically, after, again, talking around the houses, was like, if, these, if they're going to pay you around 50 grand a year, I'd value it about five, 550. So we're like, oh, okay. So we could buy it for 350 and then it would be worth 500. We're like, that's quite good. Now, we'd always mm. use the lower number anyway, just to be safe. Yeah. And then we agreed to meet with the potential tenants. And they said, look, we want to take this building on, but we want some work done to it, partitions put up. And so we went and we met with them at the building and they gave us the design of everything that they wanted. And we thought that's probably going to cost about 25 grand. Okay. And so I, I said to, I said to them, look, with the pounds per square foot that you're getting here, with all the work, we're literally going to hand it to you, ready for you to move in. You're going to need to to pay an, a higher annual. And I kind of knew through the grapevine that they were looking to pay fifty five to sixty thousand a year. So I'd said to them, look, we're you're going to, we're going to be looking around about the fifty eight thousand mark, and they were like, yep, yeah, that's fine. So now I've got the income of this building with tenants up to 58. So I go back and I'm like, right, valuation at 58,000 coming in. He's like 10% yield, you know, or 9% yield. 
um, it's going to value about 640, 600. So I was like, wow, this is getting real it's working. Good. I like these. I'm like, Ooh. and then he said, actually, I've got someone that would be really interested in buying this once it's all done. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you can buy it, get these tenants in, get them on a 10 year lease with no break clauses and get them paying that 58 rent review in five years. Eric, I've got someone that will buy that. Snap your hands off. So somebody's basically looking at buying the income that that unit's generating. Yes. So I'm getting super excited by this point. I'm thinking buy for 350, spend 25 grand on it, sell it for 600 minimum. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm loving this. And then uh, my agent who's selling it phones me. He's like, oh, you're not going to believe it. Someone's put an offer in. I'm like, you're kidding me. He said, don't worry. It's not very high, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it to closing uh, and I'll make sure you get it. I shouldn't be saying that on, the, on a podcast, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, this is all about your relationships with your agents, guys. Yeah. Don't ask me how I've got that relationship. But anyway, um, went to closing. I knew I had the highest offer. Um, he phoned me after the office in. He was like, yep, you're sweet. You're, I put in 360. You're the highest offer. All good, all good. Um, I'll come back to you. The, the vendors are away on holiday for the, the remainder of the week. It was a Wednesday closing. And I was like, sweet. I'm really excited about this. The agent who's got the potential buyer is like on the phone. Did you get it? Did you get it? Because he's thinking, well, I'm going to sell this again. So everyone's excited. We've got yeah. two agents making money. I've got a tenant that's going to be delighted. I'm sitting in the middle. Like it's just the like this problem as well. So many getting... people are going to be happy. Win, 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 win everywhere. Then a week goes by and we still haven't heard. So I get in touch with my agent. I'm like, look, I know people. This smells fishy to me. Because my biggest worry was actually the vendor could just take my potential tenants, rent to them, and then he can sell it for more, right? But they, they needed the money. So I, they yeah. needed the money, to yeah. the capital to buy the director. So I thought that avenue was was safe, right? Um, but the more time went on and the less I heard, the more I knew something was going on. Um, and when we were away skiing last week, uh, my agent phoned me and he's like, your instincts were right. I said, don't mess with a woman's instincts, man. Uh, the, I've just had a call from the guys who own the building across the road, their owner occupiers. And they've just told me that they've verbally agreed to buy it for 400. I'm like, damn it. That guy was at it all the way. He was always yeah. going to sell to them, always going to sell to he them. He just wants to almost get a, use you to drive the price up. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. There's enough margin in this deal for me to go and offer 410, 420, 430. I could keep going, right? Because there's so much mm. margin in it. However, I don't trust this vendor now. I, I Like, that's it. I don't want to do business with him. No. And if I go back and up my offer... Then he'll just go back to the other guys and be like, oh, I've now got a higher offer. And I said to the agent, look, I will beat that offer on the table right there, but I don't trust this vendor. Do with that information what you yeah. want, right? I'm going to trust you to manage the situation, even though you didn't trust my instincts. Um, but I, I feel damaged by it. Now, the deal is not dead as far as I'm concerned because there's always the situation that... The owner occupiers across the road pull out for whatever reason. Like in my head, if they're using lending to buy it, the vacant possession price is or value is 350, 375 Less. most. Yeah. 
And if they've agreed to pay 400, they're going to have to stump up with that. Now, they might not have that. I don't know. So it could easily fall out of bed. But I reckon... You don't want to show your hand. Yeah. It, look, it's... And say, it's, I'll, I'll pay more, I'll pay more, I'll pay more. Because if yeah. it theirs falls through for whatever reason, then you might get it back for the price that... Or even a lower price than you originally offered. James, we all know how this works. I reckon there's probably a 5% chance of this deal coming off for me now. But that 5% is still 5%, right? And I'm just going to yes. keep spinning around it like a little terrier dog. But unfortunately, that vendor stinks to me now. I, I don't trust that he will act no. honorably throughout that. So it's just one for the back burner. Um, you know, interestingly... Stick it in the funnel have, and see if it, if it pops yeah, up in, in the exactly. late future. But I have a potential tenant, right? who I know what they're going to pay on an annual basis. If I can find them something, I said to them, you go shopping, guys. You go shopping, find a building that you want, and I'll buy it for you, you and I'll be your landlord. And that, you know, So I've made connections. I know that there's a buyer in the market looking to buy ready-tenanted properties within this particular sector. So you know, all is not lost. Trying to look for the positives. That 250 grand I was going to make, I just said to you, it was going to be the easiest 250 grand I've ever made. But I didn't make it. I didn't make it. <laughs> in, uh, on, on, you know, in practice, on paper, it would have been. But it's just, it's, uh, again, it's about finding, and that's the power of property. You know, the, the, the opportunity of a life is going to be just around, you know, is, is going to be around the next corner every week. It's kind of, there are opportunities, plenty of opportunities out there. It's kind of, I think amateurs kind of get hung up over one particular thing or one property or one deal and chase it, chase it, chase it, chase it. And then if that doesn't come off, they're like, oh, no, I feel so distraught that that hasn't paid off. And, yeah. oh, it isn't for me. And then they're kind of like, property doesn't work because I didn't get that one house that I was looking at. Yeah, no, you you just got to keep filling the funnel, right? Keep viewing. Like Nick and I's very simple KPI is like we want to be viewing maybe two commercial units a week two to three commercial mm. units a week now that is actually quite difficult to do because there's, there's not just not much, much new stuff. stuff that comes on and yeah. stocks stocks very different when you're starting to look at commercial than it is the resi yeah but the other thing with it is you're far more likely to offer on what you view mm. so it, you know where you have to maybe view 10 resis to offer on maybe what three to then uh, whatever the what, yeah. what's, what's the proportions that we, we, we typically will we're a bit more picky about what we view when it comes to the resi because yeah. we know what we're after and again this comes with experience that anything that we view unless there's a real problem when we've gone to view it we we normally offer on that but there's so many other people competing in that resi market that means you need to offer and view and loads and loads and loads in order to get that one accepted still whereas there's less competition at the in the commercial sector because fewer people have the knowledge or, or you know there's a fear factor with something that everyone lives in a house they know what a house is they know how a house operates if i'm going to invest i'm going to invest in a house commercial oh i don't know how does commercial work and who's going to want to rent it and how does how does that operate and it's it's very different i can't go and live in it my, my fallback option isn't to go and live in that warehouse yeah, so yeah. i think fewer people are interested in investing as, as a kind of an amateur investor into a commercial property because they just don't understand it and it's it's less familiar yeah, I know. But that's what I love about it, uh, the relationship. So we're viewing one next week or this week. And I know already I'm not going to offer on it. And so very rarely do I view something that I know is not for me, that I know I'm not going to offer on. But it's with, an, you know, again, in commercial, it's with it's listed with another agent that my agent then brings me. Mm -hmm. So me just physically going there 
and them knowing that I'm serious because this guy's representing me. It's kind of, it's relationship building that. Yeah, it's just, again, just getting my nose into another commercial unit. The price they're asking is super high and I would only get like maybe six hotel rooms out of it. So, I, you know, I already know it's not going to stack up. But imagine if that sticks on the market because they're asking such a high price. Imagine if, you know, because it's not even going to work for a, a commercial to resi. It's not going to stack up. So I'm just going along to see why are they asking such a high price for this? What's going and on? And again, you might find out their motive a bit more about the motivation. If you can then explain to the event, like to the agent, oh, this one doesn't suit me because of the price X, Y, Z. But what I'm looking for is you can give them your shopping lists. Exactly. So there's a, you know, it's it's a lot more get out there and, um, you know, meet people and speak to them and. Mm see what's going on but I you know now this agent who was like I'll get you this don't worry it's all in the bag da 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 he is feeling super super owing me like he's guilt full of guilt full of like you know egg on his face so he is busting himself to please me <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in a property in a property world <laughs> back to that relationship <laughs> um yeah so you know i'm going to use that to my advantage i'm like what have you i want to see stuff what are you looking for mm. me you know what's what are you getting from me to make me feel better about this situation yeah how, how are you rectifying the big yeah. big old mistake that you made yeah. you're cock up mate you need to find a situation but look all the things that we offered on last year that we didn't get again in hindsight it's like actually i'm glad that happened everything happens for a reason and I, I think with the whole, um, you know, listed building, planning, change of use thing, the, the more pressure you put on yourself for a deadline, the, the way more stress that you feel. And so the, the minute that I was like, this will open when it goddamn opens. You know, I will, I'll not forget that at the end of last year, I was like, it's got to be open for August. You know, it's got to be open for the Fringe and the festival because we're going to make a mint and it's got to be, it's got to be and it's a six month project. There's a, fringe, there's a fringe the year after as well. Yeah, you know, and the minute that I knew come January, chances of us being open for the fringe in August is going to be slim. I was like, oh, shit, let's just be open for it is what it is type of thing. Yeah, let's be open for Christmas. <laughs> you know, that uh, you want to get it right. And and the beauty about the Edinburgh market is, of course, it's not seasonal and it's all year round. So I'm, I'm just going to take that pressure off and let's yeah. get it right rather than rushed. So Exactly. That's, that's, that's the mo most important thing. It's not like it's a one-off event that will never come back round again. It's kind of yeah. create that. Because obviously, you know, you only get it revalued once when it comes to the... Oh, to yeah. The, to the refinance, but there'll be a there'll be a festival, there'll be occasions, there's there'll be a new year every new year that's kind of that, that will be attracting people in. It's it's really about making sure that that refinance it's in pristine condition to get the get it valued at what you need it to get valued at. Yeah, exactly. So that has been quite, you know, it's been quite a couple of months, right? Yeah. And it, yeah, it feels like there's there's a lot going on. And then we've got you know personal lives. We've been running training events. We've been doing a whole host of other things. Um, yeah. on top of that it's just yeah go 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 but it's it's good it's it's, it's good to be busy because it means that stuff's yeah. getting done oh and a really cool thing that we learned uh, yesterday really 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 cool is um that this new amazing broker that i love um he has started talking to us about this development fund that you can put on your principal private residence as a second charge they'll lend up to 60 percent loan to value as a kind of like when you see something you can pounce on it and you can just access that cash and go 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 nice. so 
yeah, we're actively getting that set up as well. So, you know, rather than maybe using angel investors, we can look at that. And, you know, so there's always cool things coming out. Yeah, and- the market's evolving and there's always things changing and like in- starting to see interest rates settle and reduce now. So that's, again, there's there's always there's always positives. There's always, there's the market is always changing. That's the yeah. ultimately and- where we're at. The learning never stops. 25 years in, James, and yeah. I am still learning. I'm looking forward to spending some time with Assad in the very near future to learn more about the commercial side of things and to really kind of delve into that brain of his. Maybe we need to get him on the, get him get on the podcast. If we can keep up, right? Yeah. His little brain it works exactly. at a million miles per hour. So it's been brilliant catching up, James. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to, to get our teeth into this podcast and really get some guests on to share some fantastic content. more guests more of the team you know more exciting news to be sharing with our listeners as well have a great week everyone and we'll speak to you again you very soon. very soon i hope you enjoyed this episode of this property life with myself and caroline discussing all the trials and tribulations of the things that we've been recently doing please tune in again next week for another episode from the property world system and this property life team Bye.